my friends, and thank you for listening to the podcast version of the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, airing every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AWSM Radio, repeating Sundays at 11 a.m. as well. Before we get started, let me tell you about a great social media management system that I use. It's called Social Bee. They are the social media management tool that enables you to post across all of your profiles, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, Google My Business, and TikTok. They have Canva, Unsplash, and Giphy integrations. You can structure your cag- your content in categories uh, for a balanced mix. You can connect an RSS feed to import any blogs that you post. You can customize each post for each uh, social media network individually. Uh, automatically generate hashtags, which I do enjoy, uh, recycle evergreen posts, uh, set up scheduling uh, for your posts, have multiple workspaces for team collaboration, and of course, uh, link shortening integrations, including Bitly, which I also use, and you can analyze the performance of your account. So my friends, try them out 14 days for free, no credit card needed, no special passcode, check it out for two weeks, I think you'll like them. Socialbee.io. Tell them that Colt Sebastian Taylor sent you. You won't get anything, but it'll be funny if that, that gets back to me. All right, my friends, let's get started with this week's Sarah Report podcasting here on Anchor, Anchor.fm. Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Colt Sebastian Taylor. Thank you and welcome once again, my friends, to the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur far-off wanderer. And welcome to AWSM Radio, an independent digital-only radio station that plays today's best music, old-school classics, along with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety of of interesting talking music shows throughout the day, all we do, my friends, is entertain, inspire, and inform. And I want to engage with you. I want you to be part of the conversation. So hit me up on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the Facebook, on the counter social, on the cameo. I like. I mean, I mean, the cameo is more for like you want me to make a video for you. Uh, also on Twitch. Also on Threads, which I guess is still a thing. Uh, at Colt S Taylor. And then, of course, you should uh, subscribe to the podcast version of the show at anchor.fm slash Colt S. Taylor. And, of course, ColtSebastianTaylor.com, your your go-to place for all things Colt Sebastian Taylor. All right, my friends, let's get started with this week's Saturday Report. First up this week, some sad news uh, in the comic world. Uh, Pee Wee Herman, real name Paul Rubens, passed away this week. At the age of 70, after dealing with cancer for the last, uh, apparently, few years, something he did not uh, disclose to the public, uh, but he uh, passed away. It was announced on his Facebook Instagram uh, that he had passed away and left a message apologizing for not telling everyone about it, but thanking everyone for uh, the love and the support he has gotten over the many decades and years which he portrayed the character, as well as his other comic work. Uh, now the whole Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee Herman is a fictional character, a real name was Paul Rubens, 
Um, first started in 1977 with the Groundlings, uh, which is a Los Angeles-based improvisational team, which uh, still, uh, I believe, still goes on today. Uh, he worked with the late Phil Hartman. That's right, Phil Hartman uh, worked with uh, Pee Wee on uh, a lot of these shows. He made his debut as a character in 1980s Cheech and Chong, the next movie, and the last appearance was in 2016, uh, Pee Wee's Big Holiday. Uh, in fact, Phil Hartman is, uh, is credited with helping Paul Rubens create the character as well. Um, some of his catchphrases were, I know you are, but what am I? Uh, Take a picture, it'll last longer. Uh, his, his laugh. Uh, he also wore a trademark gray, uh, gray plaid suit, uh, red bow tie, had very black slicked hair and whatnot. And uh, yeah, he developed it, appeared on the uh, Late Night with David Lehrman uh, back in the early 80s. Also was on the dating show in 1979 as this character a few times and whatnot. Uh, then, then he uh, developed a stage show, the Pee Wee Herman show, which sort of like was a fake uh, a fake children's show that was very raunchy, very raunchy, not the stuff you saw on TV, but then, but then, they, he took it onto, uh, the road, it went on from 1980 to, uh, uh, 1992, like, originally, very raunchy, did stage shows with everyone, um, uh, he appeared on an episode of Mork and Mindy in 1981, uh, had HBO special, and uh, then, then he had Pee-wee's Playhouse. Pee-wee's Playhouse uh, was a show on TV, children's show, actually, which was pretty crazy, very toned down, from 1986 to 1990, and then they had uh, reruns uh, into 1991. Uh, it's ranked as the number 10 and number 12 uh, uh, top cult shows in several lists by TV Guide. Um, also had a, uh, this may surprise you, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne was on that show as Cowboy Curtis. I, it's true, it's true. Uh, Phil Hartman was on the first season, and, um, but, uh, yeah, there was, there was, you can see a very young, very young Lawrence Fishburne as Cowboy Curtis. Uh, unfortunately, Pee Wee Herman's the character took hit in 1991 when Paul Rubens was arrested in an adult theater for uh, public exposure, which um, there's a lot of a uh, lot of a um, lot of a uh, little bit of controversy still to this day that the folks there were just trying to look for a celebrity to arrest and then uh, to make a big name for themselves. But after that. Uh, Obviously, they couldn't do reruns anymore. Uh, character took a hit. A lot of people think that um, that caused the cancellation of Pee Wee's Playhouse, but he actually had stopped doing it earlier that year uh, because um, because he got tired of doing the character. Uh, so after that, after that, he uh, uh, sort of rehabilitated himself. Uh, he appeared in the movie Mystery Men. Uh, he was on the Tonight Show with David Letterman. He did some interviews. Um, made some other appearances. Uh, he was in, actually, he had a cameo in the movie, the Batman movie, Batman. He was, uh, the Penguin's father, uh, the very beginning of that movie. And then, um, yeah, the last ten or so years, uh, Pee Wee kind of came back, had one final movie, and, uh, yeah, so Paul Rubens, very, very funny person, very spastic person, 
when he, during the Pee-wee's Playhouse, took the character very serious, uh, as in wanting to be a good influence to children. So, uh, you know, even though he was a uh, heavy smoker, no pictures of him smoking or even eating candy bars, wanted to be a good wanted to be a good role model to children while he was portraying that character. So, uh, I would say, my friends, uh, check out an old episode of Pee-wee's Playhouse. They hold up over time, I find. As well as his old stage show, maybe one of his movies, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, a classic, a classic movie. Has a lot of people on that also. Uh, in fact, when he passed away in the movie Pee-wee's Big Adventure, uh, one of the plot points is he's... Um, finding his bike, and he goes to the Alamo, asking to go to the basement in the Alamo, but there's no Alamo in the basement. Apparently, people still ask that to the day, and when uh, he passed away, the Alamo's Twitter account put out a uh, sort of tweet uh, uh, noting his passing, saying that people still ask uh, people, uh, people still ask guides every day if there is a, uh, if there's a basement in the Alamo. So, that's sort of the cultural impact Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman had. Um, but anyways, he did pass away this week, this week at the age of 70. In other entertainment news, unfortunate entertainment news, uh, Clifton Oliver, a Broadway veteran, passed away this week at the age of 47 due to an unspecified illness. Uh, his uh, passing was announced by friends and family who shared the tragic news on social media. According to his sister, Roxy Hall, posted on Facebook, uh, quote, My baby brother, Clifton Oliver, has had his final curtain call. It was peaceful. His partner, Richard, was singing to him the song Palm 23 as he took his last breath this morning at 3.20 a.m. We will miss him, but he is finally at peace. He impacted the lives of people throughout the world as he showcased his amazing talent, kind soul, and loving spirit, everyone he met, he will be missed, but never forgotten. Uh, he apparently been in the hospital for uh, six weeks and had, uh, for some time, uh, been having hospice care. Uh, but no specific words on what exactly he was suffering from at uh, during his uh, passing. Um, he uh, was uh, one most well-known for being in the cast of Wicked and The Lion King. Uh, he starred as in the role of Simba in The Lion King. So if you ever saw The Lion King stage act uh, in the last decade decade or two, uh, that was him. He, he played Simba. Uh, in a 2016 interview, he said, quote, I love what I do, and the fact I get to perform for people and, what I, and, and do what I love just keeps me motivated and inspired. Uh, he also offered advice to new actors saying, quote, You have to be determined, you have to be honest, and you have to respect your craft. If you are driven, if you are driven and continue to pursue what you believe in, it will happen and it will come true. Um, like I said, he uh, was Simba in Lion King's national tour, uh, performing in Los Angeles and Las Vegas. His other credits uh, include Motown, the musical, Rent, Ragtime, Paul Joey, Kinky Boots, and the Scottsboro Boys, among others. So, uh, once again, Broadway veteran Clifton Oliver passing away this week at the age of 47 after undisclosed illness. Now let's go do some good news to Tennessee, which honestly, eh, you know, they have a lot going on there in Tennessee. Well, uh, this week, two black House Democrats in the state, in Tennessee state legislature, as you may remember, were expelled 
in April of last year uh, for disrupting the floor of the chamber, I guess. Uh, Republicans have a very firm control of the legislature there, and often you know, they can do whatever they want. They have a supermajority. Expelled, uh, tried to expel three people. There was these two and a uh, lady uh, who went with them. The, the white woman who joined them did not get expelled. Failed by one vote, making the entire episode looking pretty bad for Tennessee. Of what was already a pretty bad uh, Tennessee uh, uh, look there. Uh, the expulsion of these two members uh, disenfranchised 140, 100,000 voters in mostly, mostly black districts. So, you know, Jupy. Well, anyways, after, after they had been expelled, they were sent back within, I think, a week or two. Because when they get expelled, the rules there is that the county can name their replacements and they just sent them back to Tennessee to replace them until a special election could be held. Um, they were unanimously, unanimously sent back, uh, unanimously because the Republicans on those boards uh, chose not to show up to that meeting and whatnot. Well, anyways, uh, even though they were sent back, they were sent back to fill a term until a special election could be had with the Republicans say, listen, they they learned they learned their lessons. If they really want to come back, I mean, I guess the people could send them back. Well, they did. They did. Boy, how they did they ever. They sent them back there uh, to to the state legislature. Uh, the two, the both of them, both of them, due to the uh, publicity of basically throwing people out of a state capital disenfranchising voters because they were protesting gun violence, uh, they raised $2 million of campaign funds uh, because of that. Um, quote from Bruce Oppenheimer, professor emeritus of the political science Vanderbilt University of Nashville, quote, one of the, one of the unanticipated, unanticipated consequences from the Republicans expelling two of them and raising a whole uh, brouhaha is that they made these people much more visibly politically and much more secure. You can't get statewide identifications of politicians that quickly, normally. Um, they aren't the only ones who were kicked out of uh, or be disciplined by uh, Republican majority legislatures. In Montana, uh, Re Republican majority House banned Representative Zoe Zephyr the first openly transgender woman elected to Montana's legislature from in-person debates by voting through a censure. So uh, they had to stand outside. They had to stand outside during debates uh, and then sat on benches while doing work, listening. And then the next day, the wives of some of these uh, legislatures just so happened to get there early to sit on the benches all day, denying this person a place to sit to do their job. Uh, in March, Oklahoma censured uh, Maureen Turner, the first openly non-binary state legislature in U.S. history, and the first Muslim lawmaker in Oklahoma. Uh, but for anyone, the the I maybe people think that this is not going to continue because each of these times, these people that got discipline got so much publicity and got a lot of money, and the people who did got so much negative publicity and and frankly 
uh, justified negative publicity that it's unlikely they're going to be doing this on a regular basis. But uh, anyways, just, just, just to recap here, uh, this past week, State Representatives Justin Jones and Justin Pearson were officially re-elected and uh, sent back to finish out the terms in a special election. Their opponents, I think one opponent raised $400. So just token token, uh, token uh, resistance against trying to get them back. They overwhelmingly won their elections, and rightfully so, to be sent back to represent their people uh, in their districts in the Tennessee State Legislature. That's a tough word to say. Legislature. Oof. Now, my friends, if you are struggling to figure out what to listen to this weekend, my, I, I've got you covered. Because here on AWSM Radio, we've got DC, my pal DC. He's our in-house DJ, and he mixes it up every Friday nights at 9 p.m. You don't want to miss out while he's smashing on the ones and twos king of the beats from South Florida every week. Then on Saturdays, it's DC House Party Saturdays, where DC brings his freestyle and DJ into the max. House Party Saturdays gives you the, all the Miami vibe without actually being there. From the top clubs to the bars, DC will bring the party to you. Uh, that's Saturdays at 10 p.m. And then Sundays at 10 p.m., it's DC live in effect again. So just to recap, Fridays at 9 p.m., DC live in effect. Saturdays at 10 p.m., DC House Party Saturdays. And then Sundays at 10 p.m., D.C. Live in Effect, only here on AWSM Radio. Speaking of Florida, I think if you're a regular listener to this program, you know, Florida, I'm not a fan. Not a fan of the governor, not a fan of their general vibe, so to speak. Have several friends down there. Shout out to my pal uh, Munchbox down there, uh, who I play with every Wednesdays on Twitch online D&D, &D. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm just not a fan. Well, apparently, <laughs> although I read this, I laughed a little bit and whatnot. Apparently, Florida, uh, Central Florida, uh, according to the CDC, uh, leprosy is making a comeback. <laughs> yes, leprosy is making a comeback in Southeast United States, particularly in Florida, according to the CDC. Uh, it is uh, Central Florida is 81% of the new cases reported in Florida and one-fifth of national reported cases. Central Florida, leprosy. Now, leprosy, very popular in the Bible and whatnot, uh, is curable. There's no more leper colonies where people are just sent to live with other folks with leprosy. People aren't, like, losing fingers and arms anymore. Uh, it is a bacterial infection that attacks the nerves, that can be lead to swelling and lesions that get infected, go gangrene, and then things fall off. Um, can be treated with medication. Treatment usually takes one to two years. It's not easy to shake, but there is treatment out there. Here's the thing. Scientists aren't exactly sure how you get leprosy. They are, they're not really sure. They haven't quite figured that out. Uh, they think prolonged exposure of droplets person to person is the most likely route of transmission, but they really don't actually don't actually know. Um, the latest case is from a 54-year-old Central Florida man contracted leprosy without risk factors for known transmission routes, which which thinks it's becoming 
endemic in Central Florida, as it just is just kind of out there. Uh, the Central Florida man lived in Central Florida his entire life, worked outside in landscaping, spent long times outside. Uh, he denied engaging in any domestic or foreign travel, uh, which have been tied to past outbreaks or contacting armadillos. Yes, my friends, armadillos carry a unique bacterial strain of leprosy that is tied to a high percentage of leprosy cases in the United U.S. South, uh, suggesting the likelihood of transmission from animals to humans. So, yes, don't touch armadillos. They might have leprosy. It's, it's kind of a weird thing. According to the CDC report, quote, In summary, our cases add to the growing body of literature suggesting that Central Florida represents an endemic location for leprosy. Travel to this area, even in the absence of other risk factors, should prompt consideration of leprosy in appropriate clinical setting. Crazy. Uh, more than 100 cases have been reported by Florida healthcare officials over the past five years, ending in 2021. The CDC says that the endemic, uh, quote, refers to the constant presence or unusual prevalence of a disease or infectious agent in a population within a geographic area. Uh, six cases of leprosy were reported in California residents between 2017 and 2022. All were U.S. born, um, as in they're not from a country where leprosy remains widely common. Uh, uh, worldwide, worldwide, more than 200,000 people are diagnosed with leprosy each year, according to the World Health Organization. And the CDC says that new leprosy cases reported in the United States between 2015 and 2020, 35% likely acquired, acquired it locally, as in from other people or petting armadillos. So, anyways, my friends, if you're hanging out in Central Florida, uh, besides, you know, uh, hurricanes, no more insurance carriers, uh, people take trying to take down Disney... Uh, alligators, uh, very difficult climate for those who aren't uh, straight and white. Uh, you now have to deal with uh, leprosy. Leprosy. Oldie but goldie, coming back, playing the hits. Leprosy. Now, my friends, obviously you want to stay away from armadillos because, you know, leprosy. Also, uh, otters. Otters are also uh, apparently dangerous, causing Montana uh, a rare, <laughs> a rare otter attack injured three women floating on their tubes on a popular Montana river. Uh, there was a rare river otter attack, otter attack in southern Montana, uh, inflicting serious wounds on one of the, the one of the women that she had to be airlifted to a hospital. Uh, it happened along the Jefferson River, uh, which is a tributary of the Missouri River that's popular with anglers and recre recreational floaters, which means you kind of just float down on an air tube while probably drinking some alcohol. Apparently, one otter swam up to the women around 8.15 p.m. and uh, attacked them. They were able to get to shore and called 911. Uh, one woman's wounds on her face and arms were so severe that a helicopter flew her out, according to the Jefferson County Undersheriff, James Everett. Her condition was unknown, and the others had injuries to her arms. Quote, It's just not something you run into very often. Bears do it, moose too, occasionally deer, but otters, 
That's not normal. Um, the uh, undersheriff said one of the women saw two otters beforehand, but it was unclear how many otters were involved in the attack. They, they could have been more. They could be organizing, my friends. Otters could be organizing. Uh, Northern River Northern River otters are a member of the weasel family. Can reach up can be nine pounds. Or can be up to twenty pounds, as heavy as a small dog, and reach uh, forty-seven inches long. And mostly eat fish. They use their teeth and claws to bite and scratch. Uh, the sheriff said, "Quote: If folks are attacked by an otter, our recommended response is to fight back, get away, and get out of the water." Uh, warning signs were posted to access points along the river in the area of the attack, warning people that there could be rogue otters out there. Uh, there are going to be no, there's going to be uh, no attempts to capture these otters to remove them. Uh, they believe this was a defensive attack, and they're not actually aggressive otters out there looking to take people down. They think that the otters got spooked and then attacked. Uh, two years ago, a 12-year-old boy in an inner tube was attacked also along Montana's Big Hole River by otters. But, um, yeah, yeah, so uh, it happens. Uh, and then last month, a sea otter, not a river, a sea otter uh, gained widespread attention for aggressively wrestling surfboards from surfers off the coast of Santa Cruz. So, uh, listen... Otters, they're adorable. Sure, whatever. But they can be dangerous. Could bite you. Could steal your surfboard. They, uh, uh, they, they, they otter not come around my neighborhood. Because, well, we don't have any rivers that they would really like, I think. But, anyways, watch out for otters. Cute, but dangerous. We now go over the border of Montana into Canada. Where this week, uh, Alberta uh, decided to withdraw from consideration for the Commonwealth Games uh, to be held there in Canada. The Commonwealth Games, a lesser known, well, I mean, if you're from the uh, Commonwealth, uh, but a sort of a smaller version of the Olympics where the Commonwealth uh, nations, uh, Commonwealths, uh, those associated previously with the uh, Great Britain, either still or in the past, get together, have a sports competition. So if you have no history with uh, the United Kingdom, uh, you, you don't come. So, like, France doesn't go to the Commonwealth Games, but, like, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, well, they, they, they do. But anyways, they have it every four years. Um, but uh, uh, Alberta is the third, third uh, Canadian area that has pulled the plug of the 2030 Commonwealth Games Due to lack of governmental enthusiasm, uh, the province cited a financial risk and an estimated price tag of $2.68 billion. Crazy. Uh, this comes after Hamilton, Hamilton's pursuit of the 2030 game and uh, Victoria Volunteer Group's interest in 2026 uh, also expired this year because of Ontario and uh, British Columbia government disinterest. Uh, Alberta's 2030 bid uh, committee called the provincial government's move a unexpected decision as the organization had yet to take its pitch to the public. Uh, the bid involved Calgary, Edmonton, as well as the uh, Enoch Cree Nation, the Tucsonia Nation as well. Uh, Alberta, uh, another quote from Alberta 2030 Bitco said in a statement, 
Uh, we are disappointed, and we will not be commenting further. And um, the provincial government of Alberta said the games would not generate enough revenue to cover the costs. Quote, the corporate sponsorship model and limited broadcast revenue for the Commonwealth Games would have put 93% of the financial burden and risks on Albertans, said Alberta Tourism and Sports Minister Joseph Scow in a statement. Quote, Alberta has a successful history of hosting major international multi-sport games in our province, and any proposal to host major games is considered with interest of Alberta's taxpayers at top of mind. We are committed to remain transparent with Albertans about the cost of hosting international sporting events and clearly demonstrating a return on our investment for the people and communities of Alberta. This is why we have made a decision not to continue pursuing the bid of the 2030 Commonwealth Games. Um, so, I mean, also not the uh, first time, um, first time this has happened. Uh, other Canadian, um, other Canadian uh, areas have withdrawn their uh, bids for Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games, as well. Uh, just for expense, it's expense. Very, very, very expensive to host these games. They want to have them, want to have them, but the expense associated with them um, is is rough. And many, many other places uh, have shown that. Billions of dollars were put into infrastructure for these big games, and then 10 years later, most of them are abandoned. Uh, there's a lot of abandoned China uh, China Olympic game venues that are just overgrown with grass and whatnot. So a lot of these places are seeing the cost not being worth the publicity that they get. And once again, another place has pulled out of it altogether. Um, the, the, the last city to host... A Commonwealth game was Victoria in 1994. 1994, and that was the last time it was held there. And the um, uh, 2030 bid is the hundredth anniversary of the games, which first started as the British Empire Games in 1930. So, no word yet on who's hosting it. Still got seven years to sort it out, but doesn't look like it's gonna happen in Canada. Anytime soon. Well, my friends, Alberta is not hosting the Commonwealth Games. We do have someone to host your commute home from work every weekday, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. That's right. I'm talking about the Rock Sessions. The Rock Sessions is our drive time show, making sure that your evening commute home is fun, featuring the hottest music on the charts and some other surprises in between. My friend Rocks will make a rock, rock style. Like I said, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 5 p.m., 7 p.m., only here, my friends, on AWSM Radio. We now go to Maine, where an 87-year-old Maine woman fought off an intruder in her home and then gave him some snacks. Now, this is not as sweet as it sounds. Uh, she gave him snacks while dialing, dialing 911. So, apparently... Uh, a woman awoke in her home to find an intruder standing over her last week. Uh, an 87-year-old woman uh, fought off the teenager and then distracted him with snacks while she called 911. Majora Perkins, which is the, the elderly lady, uh, says she was home alone when the teen broke in by moving the side panel next to her air conditioner and squeezed through the gap. Uh, she recognized the teen who had mowed her lawn a decade ago. He said, uh, according to her, to the newspaper, she's, she said, this is her quote, he said, 
Maybe I'll do I'll do it in my grandmother's voice. <clears throat> oh, he said, I'm going to cut you. I thought to myself, if he's going to cut me, I'm going to kick. So I jumped into my shoes. Uh, according then, the teen who had a water bottle full of booze punched and pushed her before heading to the kitchen, telling her he was hungry. So she gave him crackers, peanut butter, and two containers of insure. Oh boy, two tangerines. While doing this, she dialed 911 from her rotary phone while he ate. So, you know, it's not like, doot, 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 911. It's trick, I don't, do people still, the rotary phones still work? Anyways, uh, apparently they pick up on it, but the police arrived just after the teen fled. Um, the, the police of the juvenile, uh, who was not named, uh, left behind a pair of shoes when he fled. Uh, the officer responded to uh, to the neighborhood with uh, a canine team, tracked him down a few blocks away, and then arrested him. He faces charges of burglary, burglary, bur burglary, criminal threatening, assault, and consuming liquor as a minor. In the wake of the ordeal, Perkins has got to, received a baseball bat from a neighbor and had someone reinforce her air conditioner with screws so someone can't punch out the panel and get back in there. Uh, she told the news singer Maine that there's no need for sympathy. Oh, don't sit back and cry about it. If it comes up again, do it again. Be ready to kick and pick up a chair and hit somebody with it. She told the news outlet with a chuckle. So I think if someone broke into where my grandmother lives... Uh, who who is a is a rabid listener of the show sends comments in all the time the stories I should be doing that uh, she would uh, she would put a sleeper hold on that criminal choke him out and then chop him up and turn him into a meat pie and sell his remains at the local fair. My grandmother's dark. She's dark. She is not to be messed with. We have to check her all the time for knives. I'm like oh I'll make a pie out of you yet, Colt. And then, like, oh, oh, Woogie, oh, I'm not kidding. Like, okay, put down the knife. Then we play cards. So, you know, yeah. That does remind me, I do have a pie from her in the fridge. That's oh, just so good. Can't help myself. Anyways, uh, anyways, just to recap, an 87-year-old Maine woman fought off an intruder in her home, gave him snacks, rotary called 911, and is okay. We now go to the WNBA Women's Basketball, where this week an important milestone was hit. Uh, Diane Taurasi uh, becomes the first WNBA player to score 10,000 points. Quite an achievement. First player in WNBA history to reach 10,000 points during their 91-71 win over the Atlanta Dream on Thursday. Uh, uh, she achieved this in front of her hometown crowd in Phoenix plays for the Phoenix Mercury, that watched her score each and every point of the Mercury in Mercury's purple and orange. Um, she watched her, she scored 42 points, uh, the most she's had in a game since 2010. Um, she knocked down back-to-back -back three pointers in 33 seconds to hit the milestone in the third quarter of the game, uh, and the crowd went absolutely Wild. Uh, she surpassed the NW, the WNBA's um, all-time leading scorer, 
in June 18, 2017, when she surpassed Tina Thompson's previous record of 7,488. But the 10-time WNBA All-Star continued to add to her uh, total um, solidifying her as one of the greatest basketball players of all time. She was the first player to reach 8,000 points, 9,000 points, and now 10,000 points. And, um, yeah. She said after the game, quote, I really don't think about the number. I've always said I only think about basketball because I love to play. Literally, that's the only reason I show up to the gym right now. Pretty amazing stuff. Just some other, uh, some other, some other, uh, trivia facts for you. Uh, she was selected by the Mercury as the first overall pick of the 2004 WNBA draft. Uh, she had a stand-up career at UConn. She led the Huskies to three national championships. Um, Phoenix posted a 8-26 and record before her arrival, uh, but she turned the Mercury into a winner and collected several accolades along the way. She was the WNBA Rookie of the Year in 2004. Uh, she won. The, she helped the Phoenix Mercury win their first WNBA championship in 2007. Uh, also in 2019 and 2014, she was named the league MVP in 2009. In 2009. Um, she. Uh, what else here? Uh, oh, um, the two. The 10,000 uh, milestone was a highlight of this season for the Mercury, um, but it was also very disappointing as well. They're a seven and nineteen. Uh, they also welcome back. This is also the team where Brittany Griner uh, plays for, who had 10th-month detainment in Russia. Um, and then uh, Vanessa Nygaard was fired late June due to the poor record of the Phoenix Mercury, who are now 7-19, tied for the second worst in the league, unfortunately. But, but, the 19-year-old WNBA veteran uh, add a lot to that evening by re reaching um, uh, uh, 10,000 10, points. Uh, she is obsessed with basketball, but did note that underwhelming seasons such as this one have made her ponder when she should hang up her sneakers for good. Quote, I've given my life to this game. I still love to play. I love to prepare. I love to compete. That's why I keep coming back with beers like this, but years like this take a toll on you. Sometimes I feel like it's sanity. Even when I'm doing it, I should. I think I should be in Hawaii, hanging out with my friends and my kids, and I'm in Indianapolis. <laughs> uh, she has two children, Leo and daughter, with uh, her wife Penny Taylor, a former teammate. Uh, quote: Hopefully, I keep coming back. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, besides in the WNBA, she has won five Olympic gold medals in 2004, 8, 12, 16, 20. Uh, competed in three uh, FIBA World Cups. Uh, 2010, 2014, 2018, representing the United States. She's one of only 16 players to win an Olympic gold medal, WNBA championship, and an NCAA title. Crazy. Crazy. Uh, of the top 10, of the top 10 uh, point scorers in the WNBA, uh, she's number one. Uh, number eight and number nine are still active players. In the WNBA, number eight is Dawana Bonner at 6,680, and number nine is Candace Parker at 6,574 points. But uh, they got a long way to go to get up to 10,000. Long way to go up to 10,000. But, anyways, just as a trivia historical uh, note here, uh, once again, Diana Tarasi of the Mercury Legend 
becomes uh, of the of the Phoenix Mercury uh, becomes the first WNBA player to score ten thousand points. Number two is at seven thousand four hundred eighty-eight. So there's a big gap between number one and number two. So congratulations, uh, you amazing basketball player. Speaking of basketball, we do have two amazing sports shows here in AWSM Radio, both on Wednesday. Wednesday nights at 9 p.m., it's To the Rack with Mac. To the Rack with Mac is your go-to spot for all things basketball. Join NBA expert Mac Daddy as he brings you a full hour of high-flying hoops expertise for all things NBA. Tune in Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. and then at 10 p.m. It's What's Going On. What's going on is our Fox Sports Affiliate Show, providing listeners with over 150 combined years of sports knowledge. Hosted by Nate Brown and his crew, they've become a staple of Western New York sports for the past two decades, and now they're national. We've got them here Wednesdays at 10 p.m. So just to review, 9 p.m. Wednesdays, to the rack with back. 10 p.m. Wednesdays, what's going on? Only here, my friends, on AWSM Radio. Well, my friends, that just about wraps up this week's Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Remember, you can find me on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the Facebook, on the counter social threads. Though they make a desktop version, not on there as often, but they're also uh, at Colt S. Taylor, also at Cameo.com uh, and Twitch.tv at Colt S. Taylor. And then you can, of course, catch the podcast version of the show at anchor.fm slash Colt S. Taylor. All these links in the post below. Also at ColtSebastianTaylor.com Until next time, my friends, I'm Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later. And once again, thank you for listening to the podcast version of the Saturday Report Me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, airing on AWSM Radio, Saturdays at 11 a.m., repeating Sundays at 11 a.m., and then, of course, you can listen to here as you just have on the podcast. Remember, check out socialmedia.io. There's a link. There's a link in the post below of this broadcast where you can check out. So, once again, until next week, my friends, I'm Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I will most definitely see you later.